It's time now for the complete story with Dick Bott, a public news and information feature of Bot Radio Network to keep you informed about the most important issues of our day. Now, here is Dick Bott with today's complete story. I tell you what, folks, everything is moving at warp speed, and, uh, and that's kind of hard on an old man like me. I don't move that fast anymore. Tomorrow is election. A lot of people have already voted early, but tomorrow, tomorrow is D-Day, as it were. And um, now I told you last week that Rich was traveling uh, all last week, and uh, he still is on the West Coast in California, actually. So we're going to visit with him a little bit and find out what he's been doing. Plus, we're going to share some information with you folks, our BRN family, that I think you'll find interesting. So anyway, welcome, Rich. Well, thank you, Dad. Glad to be with you by phone. Well, now tell the folks what took you to, to California in the first place. Well, I'm I'm privileged to serve on the, the board of directors of Far East Broadcasting, and this is a missionary broadcasting enterprise that broadcasts the gospel all across the Far East. And they had their board meeting in Orange County, California this past week, and so I had an opportunity to travel there to participate in the board meeting. See, like and, any like any organization, Far East Broadcasting was the outgrowth of a vision uh, for a ministry to reach people with the gospel of Christ. It was, I think it was Bobby Bowman, wasn't it? Yes, Bob Bowman. He had a vision. It was right after World War II to, to utilize some of this surplus um, transmission equipment that the Army had to use it to broadcast the gospel all across uh, Japan and, and the Far East countries. And uh, it grew and grew and grew, and it has a tremendous footprint and they're using that technology to broadcast the gospel. And now they're also using some new technologies, as we are, with mobile apps and uh, digital technology and so forth. But broadcasting the gospel is still the backbone of this ministry organization. You know, before we move on, Rich, it, it strikes me as so interesting because it was Bobby Bowman. Now, I call him Bobby Bowman because I remember him when he was just a young guy. I think he sang even on the Haven of Rest Quartet. Um, out there, but he was very involved in Christian ministry as a very young man. Then he got a vision. Yes. Uh, yes. By that I mean he got God seemed to call him to uh, to this, and so he, uh, not a committee, not a big bunch of people, but he was the man who said, "Let's go do this." The opportunity is now to get this equipment that was war surplus, and we can uh, spread the gospel in that way. Now, my point is, Bob Bowman has been dead for a long time, but the vision lives on, doesn't it? It sure does. It sure does. And the gospel is the same. And the thrilling thing for me is to hear some of these testimonies and, and see how people around the world respond to the gospel in the same way, because the gospel is not something that's just for America or English-speaking people, but it's for the whole world. Christ died for the sins of the world, and people respond to the gospel the same way. Uh, and people are people. That's right. But We all need Jesus. Well, th that is for sure. Uh, that is for sure. So anyway, that's what took you to California. Now, while you were there, you had an opportunity to visit Jim Garlow's church in San Diego. That's the Skyline Skyline Church. Tell us a little bit about right. that. Well, so I was, since I was in Southern California, I wanted to come down and worship with Jim Garlow at his church, Skyline Church in San Diego, and I was blessed to be able to do that. And uh, that, so that was just yesterday. And uh, we heard a powerful testimony by Joseph Bondarenko, 
and he is known as the Russian Billy Graham. He was imprisoned by the Soviets three times for preaching the gospel. And I met his whole family, they were there, and what a powerful testimony. And, and his urging, of course, now they live in the United States, and he's an older man, and not quite as old as you are. He's going to be celebrating his 80th birthday. Mm. But uh, it is just a blessing to, uh, to hear him and his faithfulness yeah. and his admonition, because he sees his grandchildren now growing up in America, and he sees uh, signs that are happening that our government is becoming more and more uh, abusive and authoritarian, and it concerns him, and he urged everybody to be sure to vote. And uh, then, then following that, um, Dr. Jim Garlow uh, came up to the platform, and he spoke at his nine minutes, and reminding everybody in his con- congregation about the Christian's responsibility to vote, and some of the issues that are paramount as Christians go to the polls tomorrow. You see, the Bible speaks to the issues of life, doesn't it? The Bible is our roadmap. The Bible is the is the is the word of God that tells right. us about families, about how to live our lives, about good versus evil and everything. And the Bible of course commands us then to be vigilant and not sit around and suck our thumb when there's something to be done. Right. And Dr. Jim Garlow expressed it so eloquently, and our producer has that there. I'd like our listeners to be able to hear it just as I heard it in the auditorium yesterday. All right, let's hear it. I want to talk to you about the election that takes place in two days. First of all, if you're a Christ follower, vote. This is not merely a legal right. This is a Christian responsibility. Romans 13 says that the government is to be the diaconus. That means servant or minister of God. Consequently, because that's the case, the only way the government can be what it's supposed to be is if you vote. Now, if you're in a monarchy, you can't do anything. If you're in an oligarchy, you can't do anything. But if you're in a constitutional republic functioning by democratic principles, we the people make the difference. So vote. And who do we vote for? Well, let me tell us what we're going to vote for, what we should as Christ followers vote for. We recognize that both candidates are flawed. We get that. We don't need to spend any more time on that. So then we switch to principles. What are the basic principles involved? Number one, vote for life. The Declaration of Independence says life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Comes from July the 4th, 1776, Declaration of Independence. I was astounded as a kid who I followed politics from age nine. August, that hot summer day, from age nine on, I have followed microscopically politics. I do not believe ever in the history of the United States a candidate has stayed, stood on the stage in a presidential debate. It's happened in the third debate. And she didn't flinch or wince or backtrack in her support of partial birth abortion. That is so barbaric that I decided not to put a picture of it on the screen right now. This is horrific that a human being would be in favor of doing that to another human being. The other candidate, he took a strong posture and rightfully condemned it. The second thing, liberty. I want to vote for my freedom. We just heard this morning from somebody from Germany talking about what happened when the church lost its influence and capitulated in Germany. And now from the Soviet Union, when the church was taken over and lost, and many of it, church capitulated. 
Freedoms come in three. Religious liberty, economic freedoms, and political freedoms. All three are biblical, moral, and theological issues. I remember eight years ago today, I remember it really clear, eight years ago today, November of 2008, I remember the Sunday service, I remember what happened very, very well, two days before the election. If I would have told you that in spite of the fact that California, two days later, would vote in favor of marriage, 31 states would vote in favor of marriage, if I would have told you that in an eight-year span, what would happen? That sodomite marriage would be coerced upon America, that florist, that bakers with t-shirt makers, that people would be fired from jobs, people would be fined, they'd be threatened with potential imprisonment. You would have said, no way, if I would have told you that a president would sign an executive order violating the Constitution and decide that men in skirts can go into young, in the bathrooms where young girls are going, you would have said, that's ludicrous. Or that major sports teams would stand along with that and entire sports uh, professional leagues, you would have said that cannot happen. In eight short years, this trajectory. Now, I want you to fast forward. What could happen in the next eight years if we have wrong leadership and the loss of liberty? You wouldn't have believed eight years ago if I'd have told you what's happened. Now, just take that on up. What would happen to us if that were to occur? I walked into a television studio today, this week rather, one of the largest, and I said to them, if a certain person gets elected, the religious liberties will be so obliterated by the virtue of coercing people to capitulate over so-called same-sex marriage and these kind of issues, this Christian station will be closed down, and so will churches be taken if pastors refuse to perform same-sex marriages, tax exemption, tax deductions taken, etc. This is a crisis moment in America. Israel. I happen to know Jason Greenblatt, the advisor for Donald Trump on the issue of Israel. He stands rock solid with Israel and the Bible says, Genesis 12, 3, it says, you bless Israel and I'll bless you. You curse Israel and I'll curse you. I want blessings. Up until this present administration, Democrats and Republicans have stood rock solid with Israel up until recently. And then purpose. The purpose of government is to protect the citizens. That is the goal of government according to Romans 13 and 1 Peter 2. And one of the candidates is make it crystal clear of what the stages that are going to have to be followed in order to start protecting this nation from domestic and, and foreign terrorism. Number five, financial responsibility. Exodus chapter 20, verse 15. Thou shalt not steal from future generations. If everybody under the age of 40 understood what the national debt means to them, there would be an uprising across our country. The sixth one I think I'm going to vote for is private ownership. Life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness is in the Declaration of Independence. And pursuit of happiness has its historical origin in the meaning of private ownership. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, but he allows private ownership. The Bible affirms private ownership for a host of reasons I can't go into right now. The seventh thing I'm going to vote for is capitalism. That is, we're made in the image of God. The stamp of entrepreneurship has been put within each one of us. And biblically defined capitalism is the way to call out that spirit of God, that image of God, that entrepreneurial spirit with which you were made. The eighth thing I'm going to vote for is marriage and family. Genesis begins with the marriage of a man and a woman, and Revelation ends the Bible with a wedding of a bride and a groom. And in between, Jesus says, you're made, Matthew 19, you're made male and female, and for this reason, what God has joined together, don't let any supreme court or any president defy. 
And let's go to the ninth one. I'm going to vote for integrity in the judiciary. One candidate has said, she says, the, 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 the benchmark for me is if the judge will keep supporting ripping babies up in the womb. The other candidate said, I'll point somebody like Scalia. He was a man who had confidence in the United States Constitution. That's called integrity in judicial realm. And the tenth thing is the U.S. Constitution as opposed to globalism or one world government. And finally, I'm voting for my children and my grandchildren. Even if you don't have children and grandchildren, vote for your future children and grandchildren for the sake of this nation. I have not mentioned the name Donald Trump or Hillary Clinton during this entire election cycle, but I will today. I serve on the Faith Advisory Council for Donald Trump, and I'm aware of the wise spiritual counsel behind the scene he is getting. I don't want to overstate it. I don't have direct access to him or to Mike Pence, either one. I have direct access to the campaign, but not to them. But I am aware of those on our council who do and travel with them and are speaking biblical truth into them. And, and by the way, if anybody from the IRS is watching me right now, sue me. Uh, I've been asked by a number of people, even as late as last night, have you talked to your congregation about whether voting for Trump or for Hillary? And I said, I don't need to. My congregation is well-versed. My congregation is too smart to need me to guide them. But I just share these things as some thoughts to you. David Barton says it this way, three of the Ten Commandments are up for election in this presidential race. No other gods before me. That's the issue of religious liberty or rights of conscience. He points out that the early founders never talked in terms of religious liberty. They talked about rights of conscience, which is a way stronger term. The second one is adultery. Ten Commandments, the issue of we're voting on issues like homosexuality, transsexualism, etc. Adultery is up. And then murder, thou shalt not, doesn't say kill, thou shalt not murder, that is be, thou shalt not shed innocent blood. Those are the kinds of things being voted on in that election. I unhesitatingly am voted for voting for Donald Trump because he understands these issues. We've got to pray for him. If he's elected, he stands on these issues, but I am voting for him. I got asking, I was in a debate on a one-hour radio show uh, yesterday, carried on uh, a lot of stations across America. And in this one-hour debate, the other guy was saying, people like me should not speak out on issues like this. And I say, he said, well, you're just trying to politicize the pulpit. I said, no, sir, you've got it exactly backwards. I want to biblicize the nation. That's what we stand for as the people of God. Thank you for letting me share this with you. Well, Rich, there you were at Skyline Church just yesterday, and you heard that. Isn't that wonderful? He said, I, I'm not talking about politicizing the pulpit. I'm talking about biblicizing the nation. And that's what we need to be about, is Tell advancing the cause of Christ across the nation and taking our responsibility to vote seriously. Now, Skyline Church, under the direction of Dr. Jim Garlow, uh, they give altar calls, and they lead people to the Lord, and they, they get people saved, and they preach the Bible. I mean, this is—and and tell me this, was the congregation a family church? Oh, my goodness, all kinds of families there, and a very diverse church, Dad. You would have just loved it. And, you know, after after that 
morning worship service. I went to the early service, and then I went to a chapel service afterwards where I heard from the executive director of the Christian embassy in Jerusalem talking about Christians and, and how they're ministering to the Jewish people and, and so forth. It was, just, it was just terrific. This church is just wonderful, and, but the message that we wanted to share with our listeners is his bold proclamation in the pulpit of, uh, of how Christians need to vote and the issues that they need to consider carefully as they go into the ballot box. Now, one of the things a leader does, a genuine leader does, is get people around them that do the right thing. Mm-hmm. And Donald Trump has chosen um, Mike Pence. And the thing I liked about Mike Pence, governor of Indiana, is he started off saying, first of all, let me tell you who I am. I am, number one, a Christian. Number two, I am conservative. And number three, I am a Republican. And I thought, well, good for him. That kind of shows he doesn't have any big interest in who's a Republican or not. He has an interest in that he himself is a Christian and he's a conservative. That's right. And I know that when he says conservative, he means you don't you don't kill a kid uh, in the womb. But uh, here we have something that he said. Let's hear right. It I, we have, and I'm thrilled to be able to do this because this is the message that that vice presidential candidate Mike Pence has for pastors, and we want our listeners to be able to hear it for themselves. Okay, here Greetings, it is. I'm Governor Mike Pence. You know, it's my honor this year to serve as the Republican nominee for Vice President of the United States with my running mate, Donald Trump. I'm grateful to be able to join you, if only by videotape, but I'm not sure how they introduce me. The introduction I prefer is pretty short. I'm a Christian, a conservative, and a Republican in that order. And really, it's as a fellow believer uh, that I'm particularly honored to be able to address you today. I know every one of us has our own story about how we came to faith. For me, I was raised in a family where faith was important. Church on Sunday, grace before dinner. But my faith became my own when I made a personal decision to trust Jesus Christ during the spring of my freshman year in college. That night, my heart was literally broken wide with gratitude and with joy when I came to realize that what happened on the cross in some small measure actually happened for me. And I know all of you in the room share that same passion and that same sense of gratitude for what was done on our behalf. Years later, my faith has been tested, relied on more times than I could possibly count. All I know for sure today is I need him more than ever. And he's really the center of my life and the center of my family's life. You know, God's love really eclipses our failings. And as always, he's been a source of renewal and strengthening for this nation and for people of faith throughout our history. In these troubled times, I believe we stand at a turning point when those who cherish faith, those who cherish freedom, those who cherish the sanctity of life and all the liberties enshrined in our Constitution should step forward and heed the call to action. I joined Donald Trump on the Republican ticket because I believe he has the right leadership and the right vision to make America great again. President Donald Trump will appoint justices to the Supreme Court who will uphold our Constitution and the rights of the unborn. Donald Trump will also sign into law legislation that will free up the voices of faith all across this country by repealing what's come to be known as the Johnson Amendment. The Johnson Amendment's literally been on the books since the 1950s, and it essentially threatens tax-exempt organizations and churches with losing their tax status if they speak out on important issues facing the nation from the pulpit. Donald Trump and I are both committed to work with renewed Republican majorities in the House and the Senate 
to repeal the Johnson Amendment once and for all. You know, the truth is that a, a careful study of American history has shown that the strength of our nation has come from our communities of faith. Throughout our history, it's been the voices of faith that more often than not have driven our nation to a more perfect union. It was the pulpits uh, around the American founding that thundered against the tyranny of King George. It was the pulpits around America that spoke of the evils of slavery and brought an end to the scourge of slavery in America, even through a great civil conflict. And it was voices of faith and communities of faith that transformed our nation through the civil rights movement uh, in our own lifetime, and we're a better nation for it. The choice today for all of us, though, could not be more clear. I've never seen a more dramatic choice in a national election in my lifetime. I truly do believe we're, we're come to a time for choosing. And I think it's a time in the life of our nation when people who cherish life, when people who cherish our liberties, when people who cherish the great traditions that are enshrined in our Constitution should come together and support Donald Trump and our agenda to make America great again. In these troubled times at home and abroad, challenging times for American families, I'd, I'd like to encourage you to do one more thing, and that is to bow the head and bend the knee in the days that remain in this election. Pray for our country. But as you do so, please pray as, as Lincoln said was his prayer, not so much that, that God would be on our side, but that we would be, in his words, on God's side. Because I truly do believe in my heart of hearts that what's been true for millennia is still true today. That if his people, who are called by his name, will humble themselves and pray, he'll again do as he's always done throughout the storied history of this nation. He'll hear from heaven and he'll heal our land. This one nation under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to address you today. May God bless you, your families, this community of faith, your church, and may God continue to bless the United States of America. You know, Rich, I don't know if, um, if this is going to change anyone's mind. That isn't my purpose in wanting our audience to hear this program. I just want them to be informed, to know, and to have a perspective. Uh, I've, I've, I've already voted. And, and I tell you what, I voted because it's my right, it's my responsibility, it's because I am going to know that I did the right thing. I think that's why everybody should vote, don't you? Absolutely. Uh, I, I was visiting with a lady after church last night. We, there was a prayer meeting, and, and I know in her prayer she said, I, you know, I'm struggling to know how to vote. And this was at another church where I, where I attended this prayer meeting. And, and I visited with her afterwards, and I said, I want you to, I have a word for you. I said, I struggled with that too, and I want you to know that it came to me that I'm voting for the hope of a pro-life Supreme Court, and that's a righteous vote, to vote for the hope of saving no. babies' lives. And and we have another clip that I'd yeah. like to be able to play. Well, yeah, listen, this, let's go. Let's go to that. I always love it when we can let our listeners hear it, so they can hear it for themselves. But this is in the voices of the candidates themselves describing their position on the on abortion and even the most vicious partial birth abortion. Here is what Hillary Clinton said on the issue of life. Both listen. candidates. The unborn uh, person. Uh, doesn't have constitutional rights. And are you saying that a child 
on its due date, just hours before delivery, still has no constitutional rights? Under our law, that is the case. If you go with what Hillary is saying, in the ninth month, you can take the baby and rip the baby out of the womb of the mother just prior to the birth of the baby. And Hillary can say that that's okay, but it's not okay with me. Hillary Clinton is okay with killing a precious baby up to nine months. Are you? The moment has come for America to choose between life and death. You know, Rich, um, some of those that may not take that as seriously as I think they should, I ask them to consider if you're going to loan somebody money and you know that they are involved in this kind of a practice, could you trust them? I mean, there's all kinds of reasons to say this is kind of a character thing, isn't it? My goodness. Well, we've seen there's one candidate that's been in and out of uh, FBI investigations after investigations. Well, and and when, when she was in the White House with her husband, it was filled with, with scandal. Um, I just pray, you know, there's a part in the Lord's Prayer that says, Lord, you know, uh, deliver us from evil. And I really feel that that's what I want to pray, especially in these days. Lord, I'm just praying for a miracle. We pray that we would be delivered from the evil that would be felt in all our country. You know, time rolls forward because uh, there was a man for the last many years now. He's quite old. He's still alive. Thank goodness. Billy Graham. But he's pretty old. He's in his 90s now, isn't he? Yeah, and, uh, but he has a son, Franklin Graham. And I think it's so interesting, both Franklin Graham, the son, and then the, the daughter. Help me here. Um, Anne Graham Lotz. Anne Graham Lotz. Uh-huh. Uh, isn't that wonderful? Because those two kids of Billy and, and Ruth Graham, uh, they are they are serving their generation. They, they are addressing the issues of their generation. Here's what Franklin Graham had to say. I'm Franklin Graham, and I want to encourage you to pray for our nation's upcoming election. As Christians, we need to make our voice heard by our vote. The biblical values our nation was founded on are being pushed aside, and it is putting our country's future at risk. This November, we need to take a stand by voting for the candidates who most and best represent our biblical values. Be sure to vote. This could be the most critical election in our nation's history. You know, Rich, uh, in what I was saying earlier, I don't know that Bot Radio Network is reaching into one of the so-called battleground states right now, where well, people are kind of confused and everything. We reach. Let's let's just count it up here. We reach from Texas, and then coming on up into uh, into uh, Tennessee, and then Tennessee into Oklahoma, and then Missouri. Well, Dad, we reach into 15 states, and then beyond that— I don't think any of them are battleground states, but they're important states. And I tell you what, each of us is an individual, and you got to live your lives being responsible to your principles and to what you really believe in. Well, the the only way of— people that votes happen is when people place their votes and it's a and it's a responsibility and it's not only the top of the ticket which is vitally important for the future of our country but it's also the other issues and the down ballot candidates and so forth the senators the congressmen and the state and local representatives and and leaders and the issues for instance in Kansas we have an opportunity to turn out pro-abortion Supreme Court judges, and, and there's a wonderful opportunity to do that, and that's a righteous thing to do. Well, all right, now listen, here in 30 seconds, I want the folks, well, 60 seconds, we're going to have to hurry with this. I want the folks to hear what Charles Stanley had to say. Before long, it'll be time to vote, and I certainly hope that you've been voting in the past, but if you have not, 
I want to encourage you as strongly as I can to vote in this election. It is my personal conviction on the basis of the teaching of the Word of God, on the basis of the history I've lived through and things that I've watched happen. This coming election will determine the future of America. It may be the end of life as we know it in America, or it could be the beginning of the best of America. But whatever it may be, you have a responsibility because you have the privilege to vote your conviction in the next election. This message is brought to you by National Religious Broadcasters. Christians vote. It's just one of the things we do. Make plans now to vote November 8th. Uh, You know, Rich, as I was listening to what Charles Stanley was saying there, I was thinking of that testing time recording that uh, Paul Harvey left us. And uh, as in the closing illustration of that of that uh, recording, he uh, tells, you know, and I don't want to go into the whole thing. We don't have enough time. But he said, it's up to you. That's right. It's up to you. And that really is. It's up to the people. That's right. Uh, We have a country. We have a nation. We say it's one nation under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. But if we spill it away, if we throw it away, if we allow it to be taken from us, then shame on us. God holds us accountable. And I'm not particularly optimistic about the culture that we have grown up around us now. But anyway, this is a time uh, like no other than I can remember ever uh, when people need to express themselves. They need to be true to their values. I'll give you the last and word. Christians we'll... need to be salt and light in the ballot box, and we pray that that will be so. I'm flying back tonight so I can vote, and I'm voting for the hope of a pro-life Supreme Court. This is Dick Bott with his chapter, The Complete Stories of Public Service, and I'll see you later.